Good morning. Please join me in the prayer for elimination. Let us pray. Gracious God, since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hunger for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life, through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our scripture today is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. The word of God for the people of God. So we're in the, the second or third Sunday of our generosity challenge. Um, there's a little bit of an option there because we called in an audible um, in the midst of the series. Chris Eddy did a great job of uh, sharing a testimony about mentoring and about um, uh, uh, his life and uh, how faith has worked in there. And I'm thankful for that. I really appreciate the generosity, if you will, uh, of the congregation. I took Sunday off and went to New Jersey and spent time with family, buried my dad, um, just really uh, had some nice closure around all of that. Um, of course, uh, grieving doesn't happen over the course of a weekend, um, but um, I feel like I've got my feet underneath me, um, at least uh, with the project uh, of grieving. Um, and so we turn our hearts uh, today kind of towards this generosity challenge, this idea of 28 days um, of gratitude, of prayer, and of faith. And today our scripture passage centers around uh, Abram. Uh, this is Abram, not Abraham. There's not a problem with spell check here in scripture. Um, Abram, one person, Abraham, same person. Um, in the midst of his journey of faith, God gives him a new name. He goes from Abram to Abraham. But this part of the story is more Abram than Abraham. Uh, here we get a picture of the calling of Abraham and I would like to say that this calling of Abraham is a little bit more simple and neat and beautiful than maybe how it worked out, right? Um, it feels like, as we read this passage, that Abram must have been a young man early in his career, ready to conquer the world, just looking for a purpose and meaning, and God comes along and gives him one. But go to that last verse. What does it say about Abram? 75 years old. I don't know if that whole young man ready to conquer the world at the beginning of his career really is appropriate for Abram. I think probably it might be somebody who has lived and done and been. Someone who has accumulated. Somebody who feels successful, confident, comfortable even. And then looks around and realizes, huh, what has my life been about? And then God comes in and asks the question, can you relate at all to this? Is there a little bit of an amen in the crowd? Please. 
Nothing. Oh my gosh. Did you see that? I'm going to come sit by David Hill and sing in the choir. I'm done. All right. I just want to tell you there's some audience participation here, right? That, uh, you know, the, 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 a call and response, maybe. All right. You go away for a week and they really like Chris Eddy and they don't talk to you. It's fine. It's good. Make me go to my Mark Twain quote early. I will. Um, so Mark Twain, Mark Twain says that the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day that you find out why you were born. That's a pretty good one, right? I love that this is attributed to Mark Twain. Why? Because I think it's the absolute last thing that Mark Twain would have ever said. But if you're familiar with Mark Twain, he had little faith in humanity, right? He didn't like, I'm sure if Hallmark was around at the time, he'd be like, oh, no, right? But oh my goodness, we love to take these wonderful quotes and attribute them to Mark Twain. In fact, one person writing an article about how very not this quote is Mark Twain, he said that in just the hour of his um, research, he uh, noted that seven different Facebook posts quoted Mark Twain saying that quote, that had been tweeted in that hour by over 900 separate accounts, reaching over 5.2 million users, and that was over the last 12 days, that Antoine Fuqua made it an epitaph to his 2014 action film, The Equalizer, starring Denzel Washington, which grossed nearly $200 million worldwide. But it's so interesting <laughs> that we can't really find out whether Mark Twain said it. <laughs> but I still think it's kind of good. This whole idea of the two most important parts of your day, the two most important parts of your life are to know um, the day that you were born and why. And so Abraham, Abram, gets this opportunity to ask the question. Now, whether you're 25 and you're beginning your life or whether you're 75, looking back over it, an opportunity to figure out why you were born in the first place, that's pretty good. That's a gold, if you want to think about it. That, that is stuff that is rich and will be um, a, a source of wealth for you to figure out why you were born. Now, I, I, love, um, I, I love the story of Abram for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons why I like the story of Abram is because it's so neat and tidy, right? We talked a few months ago about how Abram actually takes about three years to start the journey. You know, he gets asked, you know, and you think if God showed up and asked you to do something and you said yes, chances are you'd start pretty quickly. But, but the biblical scholars say that it could have taken up to three years for Abram to start on his journey. Now, uh, there is a Jewish uh, practice, Jewish tradition of reading scripture called Midrash. Uh, midrash is uh, where you creatively, uh, these are rabbis, not just anybody, right? Um, uh, rabbis creatively write what happens in between the lines of scripture. Now, they're not writing scripture. They're trying to understand. Midrash is some of these beautiful stories about how we get uh, some of the lines of scripture that are there. And some of the midrash around Abram's story, I think is beautiful. In fact, there's one tradition in the midrash that um, the rabbis talk about how Abram was not the first person that God approached to go to the east. Just think about that. I mean, I know that really upsets your apple cart. I'm not saying that it didn't, you know, that Abram didn't say yes, but what if there were people beforehand? 
I mean, the idea of God is a pretty radical one here. The living God, the, the, uh, the God that we understand as the Almighty, right? We know that um, the living God had no city that he called his, right? There, there was no Babylon. There was no fancy city where you walked in and all was done by the uh, God Yahweh, right? And, and the God Yahweh was, was God over everything, every living, breathing thing, the creator of the sun and the moon and the stars. Most gods in that day had a dominion. They were God over the horses or over love or over war. But, but Abram's being approached by uh, the living God, uh, the Yahweh, the creator, and he's God over everything. It's also true that God did not have a temple, right? That temple didn't come until much later. At the time of Abraham in Genesis, um, God was kind of uh, enamored with this idea that there is no artistic representation of him, no temple, no statue for you to worship God at. This is the God that Abraham, Abram says yes to. And lastly, there was no treasure or wealth, right? When Abram's invited by God to go east, it's not, and there's a big payoff for you to get. No, no. It's just a chance for you to have meaning and purpose in your life and to be part of the way in which the whole world will be blessed. Right? So this is the God that is inviting Abram to go east. So I like to think along with the rabbis that there was a guy who showed up and God said, hey, do you want to go east and be a blessing to all generations? I'll make your children like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And this guy says, sure, show me where your city is. I'll travel there. Having worshiped you, then I'll do every, anything you want me to. And God said, no, no, see, I'm, I'm the God of everything, of all living things. I, I, I've, I've made all of this and I've made it for you. And all I want is for you to trust me and go to the east. And the guy says, it's great. I don't know what to do. I got to go to a place before I can follow you. So call me when you get a city and then I'm yours. This is uh, paraphrased in modern language. So the, the rabbis go on to say that there's another guy that shows up and God asks this guy and this guy says, show me where your temple is. I want to see the statue of your countenance so that I can have it filled in my mind's eye as I travel to the east. And God says, I ah, no, there's no graven images of me. There's no temple for you to go to. The, 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 the sky and nature and the beauty of the world is temple enough. And the guy says, call me when you get a temple. I, I, I'm all for the mental image and I need to see that statue. Another guy comes on up and says, you know, um, I'd be happy to take your invitation to go east, but what are you really the God of? And God says, everything. And this guy says, you know, you, you really need to like, you, you got to start small, you know, focus in, you know, build your repertoire, right? And, and he says, you know, war's taken, love's taken, um, wisdom's taken. You, you know, over there, there's a little swamp and there's some frogs in there. What if you were the god of frogs? Yeah, I could get behind that. That could be something that we're about. We could be the frog people. And then I go east. And God says, no, I'm the god of everything. And the guy says, call me when you've... Call, you, call me when you got a thing. I'd gladly be part of that. Do you hear how crazy this story is? Right? Some of you are thinking, this is crazy. I can't believe that rabbis would have this type of a conversation. It's okay. Read the Midrash. It's wild, right? And then comes along Abram. 
And God asks Abram, Abram, will you go to the east? Will you um, trust me? Will you take up the promise? Will you partner with me to bless all of the world through your descendants? And Abram takes a moment to think about it. He looks at God and he says, maybe I got one question. And God says, what's your question? He says, can I bring my family with me? And God said, yes. You see, this story, this midrash, really kind of walks through some of our um, reasons to be inhibited, our resistance to following God. We, we want so many particular things in our own particular way that really God just wants us to trust him, to walk, to follow whether at the beginning of our lives or whether we're at the end, okay, I'm not saying end, 75 isn't the end. I think you're lots of extra years of zest, I'm just saying, right? Like regardless of where you are in the story, God has meaning and purpose for you. I've been somebody who's liking quotes lately, if you haven't noticed from the beginning of the sermon. And Albert Einstein of all people, Albert Einstein of all people says, there are only two ways to live your life. One, is as if nothing is a miracle, and the other is as if everything is a miracle. I want to invite you today to consider, in a challenge of generosity, that all that we have and all that we are is a gift from God. If you're not ready to admit that it's a gift from God, it's a gift from somebody, and it came to you. And we're invited to be good stewards of those gifts. I really love that language of all that we have and all that we are is a gift from God. In fact, I tried to go back figuring out where I found or heard that the first time. And I believe it was in the wedding liturgy when Amy and I got married. I, I believe the, um, the pastor said, um, framing our vows, that uh, we said to each other that day, all that I have and all that I am, I give to you. I honor you. Those are beautiful words. What is it like for us to think of our relationship with God, not as an occasional drive-through moment to get a little bit more strength or uh, a duty that we need to do because if our mother or grandmother or grandfather heard that we weren't going to church, they'd roll over in their grave, right? What if our relationship with God was something of substance, of honor, of love, and not just of duty? I think what we find throughout the stories of uh, biblical figures like Abram is a sense of generosity and gratitude. Last time we spoke two weeks ago, I said that gratitude um, allows you to open your hand and receive. Grasping, we find that we lose. We find all throughout uh, the biblical figures in salvation history that they gave. They gave. They had open hands and gratitude. Also, what we find in the midst of biblical stories is that they had a willingness through prayer. They had a willingness through prayer. Notice that Abram doesn't hear the information of the invitation through a donkey. He doesn't hear it through the voice of a prophet. He doesn't hear it by reading in a book. He hears it because God speaks to him in prayer. And so I want to suggest... If you've not started on the journey of prayer, maybe today is a good day to start. Uh, on the back of the bulletin you can find for this week, there are some questions about prayer. In the, um, 
In the 28 Days of Generosity book that we're studying in our small groups, um, I believe this week is the week where we talk about prayer. Here's an idea. I can't give you a whole Prayer 101 right today, um, but let me say that if you know somebody who prays, and you're not somebody who prays, go take them to lunch or a cup of coffee and ask them questions about how do you pray? When do you pray? And here's the good one. Why do you pray? And just hear, right? You may not agree with everything, but just hear and take in the information. What we find with biblical figures as we uh, study and read them in salvation history is that they are prayerfully willing. It means they're open. I don't know about you, when I was young, uh, I did a lot of praying, but all my praying was talking. Anybody identify with this, right? I had a laundry list of things that God was late on delivering, and I'd be happy to tell him exactly when the due dates were. I kind of fancied myself as a project manager for God, right? (laughs) One of the questions in the for this week is, when you pray, is it all you talking and no listening? Or is it all you listening and not talking? I think there's this place uh, where as we grow in discipleship, where we no longer are telling God what he's late on providing, but rather we listen. We listen to hear what God is inviting us to do. I mean, how many other people did not hear the call of Abram because they were too distracted in their stuff, in their place, in their accumulation, in all of those things where they had not found gratitude, where they could not see that life is a miracle, and they were caught up in making sure that they had theirs and no one else did. I think it's being prayerfully willing for us to go to a foreign land, prayerfully willing for us to go to a new place, prayerfully willing to partner with a God who has no temple, no city, no clear domain, except he created all and he loves us. There is an interesting little piece in our generosity book that we're studying in small groups. Um, It's this idea that you have to use your GPS to get back on track. I I know. I'm not a fan of these cute, cheesy, right? Because the G stands for gratitude. Some of you are playing along at home. Um, what, what is, what's the other word that's up there that has a P? Prayer, right? So, so the GPS, to get up back on track and knowing who we are and what we're about and what God calls us to do is first, to be grateful for what we have. Second, to be prayerfully willing. And then the S I should say you have to come next week to find out. That would be smart, right? Not tell you until next week. But I'll go ahead and tell you, it's about being sent. It's about being sealed and sent. There's this uh, process, this ritual, this tradition of the church that when we send folk out, we commission them or we send them or we anoint them by sealing them in the faith. So I hope that you'll take some time this week. Look over the commitment card. It's not the end-all, be-all to our life of discipleship, but it's a part. And as you are moving from gratitude to being prayerfully willing, consider how your gifts, your time, your prayer, your study might help us together be sent, how we might send others. How many people have gone into vocational ministry out of this congregation? I don't have time to list them all, right? You know some of those names. Did they just happen out of happenstance? 
Or did they happen because they were raised in the faith in a congregation that was grateful? Uh, that they were raised in the faith and formed by people who prayed willingly? And maybe they were formed by people who understood the importance of sending folk in the name of Jesus. Friends, Abram says yes and gets a new name. What will happen when we say yes and follow Jesus, follow uh, God's call to go someplace new, to do something new, to trust that God has a plan? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.